SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap tonight. Busy show to get through this evening. We're going to be chatting some golf. The Joburg Open gets underway tomorrow. We'll be chatting European football. The final group stage matches take place tonight. We'll also be looking at the Ashes and we'll also be talking some athletics. But let's start off with some football news. A whole host of fixtures to look forward to in the AFSA Premiership tonight. And I think the big game where everyone's going to be watching Chipper United up against uh, Kaiser Chiefs should be a fantastic matchup. And uh, Kaiser Ch- uh, Chipper United caretaker coach Sabocha Malloy is uh, looking forward to uh, exacting some revenge on Kaiser Chiefs after they lost 1-0 uh, in a uh, telecom knockout fixture a short while ago. Yeah, they might be beaming with confidence coming here. We are beaming with more confidence than them because we know that we've got a score to settle and we know that uh, had we given an extra, those extra minutes that I was crying for, we don't know what might have happened. Kuno was not in the polls, just going to be a player. And uh, those are the minutes that I cried for. I didn't cry for the penalty. Penalty, I, 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 I don't make those decisions. But give me the time that was added. And let's see the player who was going to win the polls. Also tonight, Free State Stars face Golden Arrows. Bloom Celtic travel to Amazulu. Polokwane City welcome Platinum Stars. And Bidvest Vitz host Ajax Cape Town. Kick off in all of those an hour from now at 7.30. Eight matches look forward to in the UA for Champions League. Tonight, the pick of those sees Manchester City taking on Shakhtar Donetsk. Liverpool host Spartak Moscow. Tottenham Hotspur face Apoel. And Borussia Dortmund are away to Real Madrid. In cricket news, Australia have clinched the second Ashes test with a 120-run victory uh, on the final day at the Ad- Adelaide Oval. In other international cricket news, India clinching their uh, three-match series against Sri Lanka 1-0 after the third test in Delhi ended in a draw. In Olympic news, the International Olympic Committee have officially banned Russia from the 2018 Winter Olympic Games in Pyeongchang. That's after more evidence of unprecedented uh, systematic manipulation of the anti- anti-doping system emerged. And finally, a freak injury sustained by Louis Oosthuizen, seeing him have to withdraw from this week's Joburg Open at the Rand Park Golf Club. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about next with Michael Flissmas. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some golf now here on SAFM Sports Wrap. And if you are in Gauteng this weekend, uh, some mouthwatering golf action to look forward to. It is the Joburg Open, the final leg of the European Tour for 2017, happening at uh, the Rand Park uh, Golf Club. We join now by Michael Flissmas. Michael, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for, for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Brad. Michael, before we get into what we can look forward to this weekend, I think one of the most bizarre sporting injuries has happened to one of uh, the South African hopefuls heading into this weekend. It's got to be up there with uh, the strangest injuries that I've ever heard of. (laughs) Indeed, there have been some strange ones, and this is right up there. Um, I I dare I say, sort of top of the leaderboard at the moment, um, uh, Louis Wester has been forced to withdraw from the tournament, and uh, that news coming through this morning, uh, because he'd injured his fingers, somehow seemed to smash them in an airport trolley. And uh, I saw the photograph of them that he sent through, and uh, they looked, the fingernails looked pretty blue. So as a result of that, uh, he can't grip a club properly. And, uh, and has had to pull out of the tournament, which is a, is a significant blow for the event. You know, he was the highest ranked player in the field at uh, around about world number 22 he was. And, 
you know, obviously former Open champion. The RNA are out here because of the, the Jabberg Open being part of the Open qualifying series. So they were going to chat in and filming as they do with all of the Open champions around the world building up to their 2018 championship. So, uh, so yes, uh, a, a bit of a blow for, for the tournament. Um, what that does mean, though, is that one of the most informed golfers in uh, uh, in the game at the moment, and another South African, Dylan Fratelli, is now the highest-ranked player in the field at uh, I think he's number fifty-four or fifty-five. So, uh, so that's some positive news to look forward to. Yeah, he's been playing fantastic golf, and and obviously, I think a lot of South Africans were hoping that Louis Oosthuizen could do well this weekend. But uh, as you rightly say, Dylan Fratelli has been playing some uh, superb golf on the tour. He's been in tremendous form, you know. He's been in. I, I, I think what you've seen this year is is the result of the previous three, four years of hard work, hard grind, and just somebody who's really been very dedicated to the task at hand and stayed true to to what they believe is the, the path to success. And he's he's cashing in this year. Um, he's getting the reward. You know, he had that win in the middle of the year in the Leonesse Open and his first European Tour victory, then got a second European Tour victory last week in the uh, Afrasia Bank Mauritius Open, also a tri-sanctioned event for the Asian Tour, European Tour, and Sunshine Tour. So uh, so he's looking great. He uh, he hasn't seen uh, the Firethorn or the Bushwillow courses, um, which have taken a lot of water this week already. He hasn't seen them. Uh, got a little bit of a look at them, but, uh, but as you rightly see, he's playing the kind of golf he is at the moment. He'll get out there. He's got a caddy. He's got a yardage book. And uh, in his words, I'm sure we'll make some birdies pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talk about the courses having taken uh, a lot of water. There is a lot of rain around Gauteng at the moment. Uh, what's the words? Is it going to affect it? The last thing you want to see is it really affecting the tournament that it uh, ends up getting shortened. Uh, what's uh, what's the word on the ground from the from the sort of green stuff? Well, that is that seems to be the the uh, the challenge for the Joburg Open. You know that. Moved the date, it's moved the venue as well, and uh, still dogged by by Mother Nature. Uh, if you remember at the beginning of the year, um, it had to be shortened because of uh, some severe thunderstorms uh, when it was held at Royal Johannesburg in Kensington. Of course, it's moved from that venue because the East Course there um, being, I think they've just completed uh, their revamp of that golf course, so it's just got to bed in a little bit. But, um, you know, Rand Park uh, happily uh, taking over with uh, the Bushwell and Firethorn courses. But, yeah, and also getting a, a shower of rain yesterday. I saw some images of uh, golf carts trying to cross uh, bridges and, and, and water, um, you know, flowing over those bridges in, in the process. Some golfers out there in the rain. But uh, but so far, so good. Uh, we do to start at 6.30 tomorrow morning. And, uh, and and the Joburg Open will continue. So let's hope they do get four rounds in. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Uh, but uh, just off the aside from the Joburg Open, obviously with uh, the European Tour in town, there was uh, some, some pretty cool things happening at the Soweto Country Club uh, today as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, and that's great news for golf and, and particularly development golf in South Africa. Yeah, well, that's that's just one of the fairy tale stories of South African golf at the moment. Is is that Soweto Country Club rebirth? You know, it was it was spearhead, spearheaded by Selwyn Nathan of the Sunshine Tour, the executive director, who took it upon himself to to start raising money to 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 bring this historic golf club back to life. You know, it's a, it, it's a club that dates back to the the the, the early 1970s. If I'm correct, 1974 was its first formation. It's been known as Pimble Golf Club. It's been known as Soweto West Country Club. It's, it's gone through many evolutions. The golf course originally built by Gary Player, 
um, uh, Vincent Chabalala, the late Vincent Chabalala, um, a former uh, winner of the Open de France on the European Tour in 1976. That was his golf club. So many other great professionals. And Theo uh, Manyama, the great rules official, comes from Soweto Country Club. So a lot of history there. And, uh, and uh, you know, the Sunshine Tour just feeling that, uh, that it can't be allowed to just go to waste and, and, and disappear. So they've started this whole process. As a result, a new golf, a new country club that they've built their new clubhouse, a, a new practice facility, the facility, the whole golf club. They've got uh, a, a development academy that's going to be coming up there. They've got a pro shop that's going to be coming up there. They've built a conference center there. And now another part of that, this golf course uh, rebuild. Gary Players agreed to redesign the golf course at no extra cost. And uh, as European Tour have supported it, City of Joburg, the RNA have come out and supported it with, with a financial contribution. But certainly the big one today, the PGA Tour, making their first appearance uh, in Soweto, Ty Votel coming out, especially to announce that they're going to put a significant financial contribution behind uh, this rebuild. And as he said, because of, of, you know, so many South African golfers have, uh, have meant so much to the development of the PGA Tour, it's their way of, of putting something back. And, uh, and he was blown away by the reception he got because uh, as is true to the African custom, the minute they announced uh, what they're putting in and, and, and why they're doing so, um, he was greeted with song and, 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 and praise singers. It went on for about 10 minutes before he could speak. So he absolutely loved that. What a great good news story. And I'm going to uh, set the challenge there, Michael. I think uh, in the years to come, how amazing would it be if the Joburg Open was played uh, on that golf course? I think it would be, it would be phenomenal. Well, you say that there's talk, there's plans. Um, they, they really want to get to that point where they can host something significant like that, um, whether it be programs, qualifiers, but tournaments in the future as well. And I think, I think there is that vision and that dream. You know, chatting to Selwyn Nathan, he said this rebuild of the golf course is not just going to be a little bit here, a little bit there. He says their vision is that this golf course in Heart of Soweto will be something like a Glendower, something like a Wanderers. You know, those are lofty, lofty ideals. But he's delivered on every single dream that he's put out there. So uh, you'd be a hard man to bet against Selwyn Nathan coming through with that. Well, I think it is fantastic. It is good news. Uh, Michael, thank you for that. We'll touch base with you throughout uh, the rest of the week and the weekend as the Joburg Open progresses. But uh, thanks for that update here on SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks, Brad. Look forward to it. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and the second Ashes test wrapped up in Adelaide earlier today. And if you're an English fan, I think you'll be bitterly disappointed with the way it panned out on day five. England would have thought they were in with a great shot uh, heading into the final day, but Australia just too strong in the end. We're joined now by SABC Sports uh, reporter Kaniso Tuaku. Kaniso, welcome on to SAFM Sports Chat this evening. England would have feel uh, would feel following this one that they they, they blew a, a chance to to level the series. Well, it started with how they bowled in the first innings. I think that's where they actually, I think they lost that game. They fought that well in the third innings where they actually bowled Australia out for less than 150. But the fact that Australia had a 215 run lead, you know, all is, all is up against, or all is behind the eight ball. But I think the biggest problem is that um, history hasn't always quite favoured England when it comes to fourth innings chases in the Ashes, especially in Australia because of the piece that I saw in ESPN cricket for England have always been, uh, been well placed at the end of day for 
only actually to to buy the bullet one day five. And clearly this was the case. But also but it's interesting to note that when it comes to the ashes in particular, only one team has bounced back from two no doubt. And that was the nineteen thirty six thirty seven Australian side, captained by Don Bradman that bounced back from a two look deficit toward the series three two. But again, that was also done in Australia. So England, um they were the architects of their own demise in this case. They could have and should have done enough to beat Australia had they batted better in the first innings, at least limit Australia's lead to 150. They would have had a fair chance of actually making the first of the test match. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are up against it now. And uh, some curious decisions uh, in in this test match, and I think particularly from Australian skipper Steve Smith, I think in in modern day cricket, the the follow-on isn't enforced as it used to be. Uh, Australia had the opportunity to enforce the follow-on after England's first innings. They chose not to, and it nearly came back to bite them. I think being an Australian test captain, it's understandable that he's spooked by the follow-on because you remember what happened in Calcutta in 2001 where Australia scored 445 in the first innings against India when they pulled out India cheaply, Seaboy enforced the follow-on and then the 326 run partnership between Raul Javid and BBS Latin happened and Australia ended up losing their game on, on the last day. So that specific result has spooked a lot of many Australian captains, many Australian captains since into avoiding the follow-on, regardless of the lead that they have or the lead that they've accrued. So it's always going to be a tough one. We did see, I think, to Michael Clark in the 2014 Ashes where in, in the oval test they didn't force the follow-on and actually won the test match quite comfortably. But it's, 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 since that 2001 test match against India and Calcutta, it's always been a tough one for Australian captains to enforce follow-on because they have a fear that teams make that them out of the game. But Stephen Smith did say that it was a tough one because he hasn't got he hasn't got the big pool of fast bowlers to choose from, so he has to be careful in terms of how the workload of the bowlers are managed. So from a bowling perspective, was able to raise his bowlers, but it did nearly that fight because if Australia were bowled out cheap low, they didn't have that big that big a lead, it could have been a different result. Yeah, you mentioned 1976, I think it was, the, the last time an English side came back from 2-0 down. This England side is a very different side without Ben Stokes. We obviously know what's been going on. There's been a lot of media speculation that he might be recalled uh, into the squad. I heard rumblings in the beginning of this test match that he was playing a, a club uh, test, uh, a club cricket match in New Zealand, so he was just across the ditch. Alex Hales has been cleared in that incident that, uh, that Ben Stokes has been charged with. What are the odds that England bring back Ben Stokes? Uh, I'm sure they will bring Alex Hales in, uh, but they need to do something, otherwise they, they yeah, back against the wall they could be facing uh, an ugly ugly ashes uh, series it's a tough one because again it was the Australians of 1936-37 that actually won an Ashes series from 2 no doubt but also this is Australia um, I think it would be advisable for England to leave Ben Stokes behind and proceed for the rest of the series without the services because I mean if you look at how just last week we were speaking about that Johnny Bristol incident and how that was blown, blown out of proportion imagine now that they got Ben Stokes actually travel to Australia and if the possibility is that we'll be travelling to we'll be taking part in the Melbourne and the Sydney in the Sydney Test matches, which are the most well attended tests in Australia, as things stand. So we think Australian fans who are split when it comes to rugby union, rugby league, who are split when it comes to Australian rules football, actually do come together when it comes to supporting the Australian national team when it comes to cricket. So it's not going to be advisable for them to do so. However, though, one also needs to look at the quality of the England side. While there are two or three quality cricketers as a side, they're not as formidable or as a team that is known for passing back. There are a team 
that enjoys playing attacking cricket. We've seen through Trevor Bayliss's uh, period uh, tenure as coach that England have only 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 have five years, and that's one to provide. I mean, going forward. So, and if you look at it, I mean, a team consisting of a James Vince, a Dava Malang. Well, okay, win against a team like South Africa was still going through a transition, but an Ashes series requires a seasoned batsman who, are, who understands how to play cricket in Australia. I mean, James Vince is a talented, is a talented batsman, but an example was his dismissal this morning, uh, this morning when he slapped, I mean, on, it was on day four, when he slapped at a wide one. I mean, a number three batsman needs to be judicious in his choice of shots, and that's what's been lacking from James Vince at the moment. Because I think if you look at how the competition of the England team, they haven't been able, they haven't been quite able to replace the likes of the Jonathan Trump, the Ian Villa. Those are the key players who actually were the foundations of England's ashes went back in 2010-2011. So it's a tough one for England to proceed and it's also the big factor of an Alistair Cook being terribly out of form because the big runs at the top of order who were expected from him and clearly the club was supposed to yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, not the best of lines. Uh, but Kanisa, thank you very much for that. The action moves to Perth. The next test starting a week tomorrow, the 14th of December. Uh, the English have to do something drastic. Uh, we'll be keeping up, uh, keeping up to date with that one and the rest of the series here on SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, besides the Absa Premiership action to look forward to this evening, uh, another night of European football on the cards uh, and some mouth-watering clashes uh, to look forward to. Uh, before we look at that, though, let's take a look back at last night's results. We join now by David Cappell from Sokla Duma. He's their international football specialist. Dave, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap. Nice to, nice to touch base again. Yeah, thanks for having me again on the show. It's always nice chatting to you. They have awesome nights uh, football last night. I think the big one that uh, a lot of people were talking about was the PSG uh, match. Uh, PSG going into it uh, unbeaten uh, against Bayern Munich, but uh, a, a league that you're very familiar with, Bayern Munich just too strong on the night. Yeah, you know, Bayern Munich have somewhat turned the corner since um, Pankis has taken over. Remember um, in the first leg when they lost 3-0 to PSG, Carlo Ancelotti got sex after the game and Heinz um, has now taken over and yesterday Bayern looked like a completely different side and beat PSG 3-1 at home. But a good fortune for Chelsea at home with an own goal uh, in, in the sort of last 15 minutes or so to, to, to share the spoils against Atletico. Yeah, it's a decent result for them although they wanted more. They wanted to win the, the game, you know, to top the group. Um, they had a lot of chances but uh, Atletico's goalkeeper, uh, Jan Oblak, you know, he had just one of those games where he basically faced everything so Chelsea actually finished only second in the group. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a team who's been pretty good uh, in their domestic league, uh, continuing that form in uh, in Europe, is uh, Manchester United. A uh, good win for, for them last night. Yeah, you know, Mourinho rested a few of his um, players already with the Manchester Derby in the back of his mind. And they came from one uh, no down and they beat them, Sedeska Moscow at home to, you know, to top the group. So it's a good result for them and I'm keen to see how they will do in the rest of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tonight, uh, some uh, interesting uh, matchups to look forward to as well. If you look at uh, the fixtures, and uh, obviously lots of English, uh, lots of English sort of interest. Man City on the road tonight against Shakhtar Donetsk. City have been in sublime form in the league. Uh, they look pretty good in Europe as well. Do you think they're going to be uh, too strong tonight? I mean, City have just been incredible this season. They've also won um, their five games, first games in, in the Champions League. If they would win tonight, they would actually become of only a, one of only a handful of sides. You know, they have won all the six um, group stage games. Um, I personally believe, though, that Shakhtar might um, 
get a draw in this game because they need one more point to make it to the knockout stages. Just looking at the sort of fixtures, obviously I mentioned the English sides. This is probably the best group stages the English teams have had for, for many a season. Uh, Liverpool in action tonight as well. Uh, they top of their group as it stands now. So are Tottenham Hotspur. It's a bit of a purple patch for the English teams in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, you know, an English awakening, you know, with the five teams in the Champions League this season and all of them uh, are on track to make it through. You know, Liverpool, they need um, at least one point in the game tonight. Uh, I think Jürgen Klopp, though, you will want to win the game because then they're also certain to top the group because they are awaiting some massive, massive teams in the in the um, knockout stages because the likes of Chelsea, Juventus, uh, Real Madrid all finished in second spot, so um, there's some big, big clashes coming up. I think uh, talking of of pressure, a team that I think we would have expected to do a, a lot better in the group stages is Real Madrid. They've got a huge ni- uh, night ahead of them tonight against Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, you know they it's sort of a surprise that they will finish behind Spurs in the group stage because they lost them um, at uh, Wembley um, a while back. But uh, they have been struggling somewhat this season. Under Zidane, it's very unlikely for them. Uh, but in Dortmund, they're meeting an opponent who has been struggling even more. They've only won three out of the last 14 games. Um, the coach is likely going to get the sack if they lose again tonight. Uh, it's going to be an interesting tie. Perfect. Before I let you go, though, I also believe there's a, a big new partnership uh, between yourselves at Sokola Duma and the Bundesliga. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, I'm actually very excited about that. You know, Sokola Duma has become the first... Um, print publication that partners with uh, the German Bundesliga. You know, we become the official media partner of the Bundesliga in Africa. What that means for us is we will get um, exclusive interviews, um, one big interview per month, and uh, African legend JJ Kocha will become our monthly columnist. So I'm very, very excited to, to get the ball going in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, should be a, a fascinating night in Europe once again. David, thank you very much for your time this evening on SAFM Small Chat. Much appreciated. We look forward to, to catching up sooner and enjoy the football this evening. Thanks. Thanks. I hope it's going to be a blast. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader and mentioned it on PM Live this afternoon. Great news for South African athletics. Uh, big launch of uh, the Athletics Grand Prix Series in Johannesburg today. Gets underway in March next year and we'll see the country's top athletes competing against their international counterparts in three meetings around the country with uh, close to 1.4 million rand in prize money uh, on offer throughout the Grand Prix Series. Uh, in recent years, athletes like Wade Fonikat, Kasta Semenya, Kani Sembini, Luvo Younger and many others have been making the headline clinching gold medals and world titles. Simbini, the 100-meter national champion and record holder, sees a direct link between this new competition and SA athletes' improved global profile. Yeah, there's a lot that we, we, we took out of that game. Apologies for that. This is the correct sound file. Um, it's a great thing, you know, for Athletics South Africa and just, you know, us as athletes because now we actually have that opportunity to, 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 to run in South Africa with a corporate sponsor behind, you know, South African athletics and it's a great motivation for us and it's, it's you know we're seeing a way forward in athletics and now you know we get more excited to come out and compete so we get more excited to actually you know represent you know our families our provinces here in South Africa mm-hmm. and surely this is a direct link to what you guys have been achieving in recent years yeah definitely you know um, if we weren't performing on international stages and making waves in South African sporting you know we wouldn't be here we wouldn't have the opportunities to be to be you know 
attracting corporates to us, attracting corporates to us and as individuals and now as ASA, as a, as, a, as a federation, you know, it's a great thing for us and now actually we're actually seeing South Africa moving forward. In fact, I think even as a country, this this gives us something in terms of uh, the attention that we'll get not only from the neighboring countries but throughout the continent. Yeah, definitely. You know, everybody is is, is looking out for 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 you know for us athletes now. They're looking to where we are running, where we're competing because now they want to come out and and watch us. You know, and know, and now we've become international stars, and now we are international stars in our own country. You know, and now. The people in South Africa want to come watch us. The people in South Africa want to come watch us and see how we compete here, you know. And that's not just attracting just people around the board, it's just attracting international, you know, international pictures, international people that are coming, that will come to South Africa just to watch us compete. So it's, it's really a win-win for everybody, you know, because now people are coming to South Africa from overseas just to watch us compete. Enrico Brankis is one of these African sprinters who's part of that current golden generation of sprinters, and he's also excited about the new series. I think most definitely, and like, there's a lot, a lot of the guys that, like, let me say, for instance, Wade got this huge sponsorship with Richard Moore, where even American actors, American rappers, they dream of having those kind of watches. So if our athletes can attack bands like that, then it has to be possible that we can attack local band in South Africa to buy into into the sport. So I think it's just a good thing that this is starting, and I know there's a lot of bands going to come onto board now. So I'm just happy that it, it's actually working, that the guys are attacking, attacking um, bigger sponsors and people wanting to be involved in the, in the event. And even the money involved as well. Uh, it's not every day you get to hear about uh, this kind of money in the local uh, athletics. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is like everyone needs to eat, man. No matter how how much how much you love it, man. You, we need to we need to eat. You, you need to pay the what you know the what is more expensive. Electricity is more expensive. So at the end of the day, you need to eat. No matter how much you love the game, you still need your financial um, support in order to sustain yourself, sustain the family. You know. So it's just a good thing that they're investing more money into it, man. Themed Athletics meets Magic, the new series, is promising to be a huge money spinner. SABC Sport understands that all the athletes that grace today's lavish launch in Santon were paid appearance fees, a first in domestic athletics events. Stillwater Sports are the commercial partners to this event, and the company's managing director, Michael Mayer, explains what the concept is all about. We need to get uh, people who traditionally haven't watched athletics back into the stadium. So it's got to be an entertainment fold. There's information on the media packs around how we're handling that, but it's entertainment, it's education, it's excitement. And so we want um, we want fathers and their families or mothers and their families to go and say this is a great evening of entertainment because they, they're seeing exciting activity. There's lots of other peripheral activities and it's a great experience and the kids love, love to be there. So um, that's what we're trying to do. And, um, and I think that um, that we've laid the basis for that. You know, I think in those three places, I think we're going to be able to do that. So you're going to be contracting athletes for this particular uh, concept? 
Well, you have to contract athletes because there's only so many lanes. So you have to fill all your lanes. So we have to, yeah, we have to be sure of who the athletes are that are competing. Um, we obviously would want all our South African stars to compete. We would want um, the wider group of South African athletes to compete. And then I think we'll focus large, uh, also largely on Southern African athletes because Botswana has great athletes. Uh, obviously, we hopefully bring those some Kenyan. Ken- yeah, those 400 boys are good. So, uh, so I think there's, that's the focus. And then obviously we'd like to bring in um, some international stars, but we'll, we'll have to talk to you about that uh, in the new year. <laughs> Between now and the first meeting of the Grand Prix Series, which is set for Reimsich Athletic Stadium in Ruderpoort on the 1st of March next year, the organisers appear to have a proper roadmap uh, to marketing the concept. May explains uh, that, uh, or the reason why they didn't announce a sponsor today, and they've reserved that for early next year. We're still going to make some announcements around the sponsorship. We couldn't announce everything to, to you guys today. Um, you know, we've got to maintain the the interest of um, of the media in athletics over the next two to three months. And so we have very, we have, I can assure you, we have some more exciting announcements. You've got a roadmap. Yeah, and I think that if we announced the sponsorship, I think we would have had to wait till um, till uh, till late January. But um, but I think it was important to get the message out, not only obviously to the media, but also to athletes. You know that, um, and I'm not talking about the top 10 stars but the but the next 50 or 60 athletes in South Africa that this series is going to happen because it motivates them it gets them excited I think the prize money is good for for your up-and-coming athletes that's excellent prize money and and so I think all those things uh, moved us just to say let's announce it early um, the fact that we've announced the series in itself I think is important and, and I quite like the fact that we've announced it at this stage without a sponsor because it really gives you guys the opportunity to focus on the concept itself and uh, and and I don't know if we're going to get you all here when we when we announce sponsorship again but uh, but hopefully we will the other two meetings will take place in Pretoria on the 8th of March and in Pal on the 22nd of March. Great news for South African Athletics. Before I go, some other news stories. The Blitzbox have named an unchanged 12-man squad for this weekend's Cape Town 7s. There's some Ram Slam T20 action taking place uh, around the country as well. Cape Cobra's up against the Knights in Kimberley. The Cobra's 114 for the loss of four after 14.2 overs. And poor Dolphins raining again in Durban. That match uh, against the Lions abandoned with a ball being bowled. I'll say it again. We need to get the Dolphins to play their cricket in Cape Town. Uh, that's it for the show this evening. From myself, Brad Brown, and my team in Johannesburg, Loyola and Phineas, thank you very much for your help. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop with uh, Naledi Malewo. Uh, that's coming up on the other side of your news with Greg Close. If you'd like to be in touch, you can email us, sport at safm.co.za, or reach out via social media. Have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock.